All right, so I was talking before a really great group, uh, the Beverly Hills Conservative Club in, uh, in a Santa Monica restaurant yesterday, and a great group of people. It was actually founded by Simone Gold, Dr. Simone Gold, uh, who has recently been arrested for trespassing on the Capitol grounds back on uh, January 6th. And uh, you know what was remarkable about that um, event yesterday? Because it wasn't just me speaking. I mean, there was introductions. I, I was the, the guest speaker, of course. But they also talked about the issues of the day before. And a couple of other people kind of chimed in to talk about what they were doing. And then, you know, without further ado, here's Barack Lurie, that sort of thing. But they were talking a little bit about, you know, how they are worried about the future. How are we going to win this in 2022 and hopefully in 2024? And there was a lot of fear in the air. And by the time I came to the uh, microphone, I said, you really got to cut this fear out. Um, fear is a disease. Fear cripples the mind and the body. It metastasizes until it kills you. And it is easy to give in. Um, when we think back on uh, the Revolutionary War heroes and, and the Civil War heroes and the, war, the heroes of World War I and World War II, the things that they had to deal with are, I don't know, a hundred times, a thousand times more significant than whatever we have to deal with today. There's something about the, I mean, the go-to place that everyone has is, well, gosh, you know, if we had another World War, uh, World War III, so to speak, you know, then we would have some sort of perspective and we would be brave again, and we would fight for what's noble, and we would fight for America and civilization, and we'd rally the troops, literally. Um, I don't think so, Ari. There, there's a big, big difference between then and now, and, and it's not necessarily because we don't have a major world conflict, uh, although that certainly would you know, have some rallying effort. Um, I mean, remember 9-11, you know, the, the, the country seemed to be unified for about, I don't know, three days, four days, and then it went right back on track to the uh, abusive politics that we had, the polarization, mostly by the Democrats. But, uh, you know, the major difference between what we had back then and what we have now is that back then we had God. God was center in our, our lives. We had a moral structure. We had a... Uh, I always use the analogy of the sun in the center of the solar system and and the the earth and their other planets you know revolved around it and and that was orderly now we don't have that you know when you when you pluck out God from the equation then the planets seem good to go anywhere anything goes that's that's the main concern so if we had a world war three I don't know that we'd be any more brave today than we were yesterday and that's, that's the issue. We, and we see this in the way we respond to the COVID crisis, the, the pandemic, as they call it, which I don't think is even there anymore. And to the extent there was a pandemic, it's gone. It's done. It's nonsense now. Uh, we got to live our lives at some point. But the way that they responded, that people calling me up, hearing me on the radio show, hearing me on this podcast, saying that you and I are, are irresponsible by encouraging the reopening of the states and so on. And everyone calls in uh, and says, you know, I'm compromised immunity-wise. I could die, Barack. Okay, so uh, what do I say to them? So quarantine yourself. You're already doing that anyway. 
Why are you imposing that on me? So the whole civilization should stop because of you, Bob. That, that's the way you want it, right? And, and, you know, Bob, I mean, that's not his real name, but Bob paused and thought, well, we got to do something. Well, we, we are doing something. And, yeah. and you are quarantining go yourself. Yeah, live. just go on. Yeah, exactly. Go on and live. And I'm sorry that that bothers you, that the world is not rallying around you, Bob. But that's just, we can't function this way. Because you could apply to just about virtually everything that we have in our society, whether it comes to driving cars or flying airplanes. or I mean, you're exposed, if not to COVID, you're going to be exposed to the flu. If you're not exposed to the flu, you're going to be exposed to tuberculosis. I mean, you, you don't know. Pre-COVID, whenever you got in an elevator with anybody, maybe that person had pneumonia. Maybe, maybe he had tuberculosis or bronchitis. You could catch those things too, right? But... But somehow now, because of this thing called COVID, it, it's become fashionable to go crazy and to somehow have a whole different world dynamic on this. We, we know that this is not sustainable. I mean, that's the favorite word of the liberals, right? Sustainability. They, they talk about global warming. They talk about, uh, you know, even the, the vegan world, they, they talk about sustainability of, of meat, the meat supply and such. I, I don't agree with that particular point uh, in the vegan world, even though I am vegan. But nevertheless, sustainability is what it's all about for them, right? That's why they had the population uh, control issue. That's why they wanted to limit uh, fossil fuels and everything. Nothing is sustainable. Everything is, is going to collapse on its own weight because we can't sustain this. But somehow, in this COVID response, we can sustain it. You know how? That by, by giving handouts from the government, trillions of dollars. Well, it seems like every month there's a new COVID package relief bill. Okay, fine. Go ahead and do it. And uh, you'll just see the country collapse. It doesn't, it doesn't, I mean, people literally think that you can, you can toss out 50,000, 100,000, sometimes a million dollars to this or that company uh, from the government and that there will be no consequences economically vis-a-vis inflation or otherwise. No consequences. It's strange, right? I, I don't get it, Ari. I, I just don't. Uh, it's, uh, Winston Churchill said famously that um, thinking that you can tax your way out of a problem, or in this case, spend your way out of a problem, is like a man in a bucket thinking he can lift himself up by lifting up the, the handle of the bucket, right? That's, that's exactly what it's like. It's a perfect analogy, perfect metaphor. And uh, we will see massive inflation in the future. We'll see uh, a massive foreclosures coming up once, I mean, it has to happen. At the end of the day, there's so many people staying in homes that they can't afford anymore because they've lost their, their rights and they're not paying the, the lender anymore. So you're going to see, once it all lifts, a, a huge swath of foreclosures. Yeah, and bank failures. But of course, banks are too big to fail. And Joe Biden is the banking queen. Yeah. Or no, that was Barney Frank, but he's one of the banking queens and they'll bail out the banks because they're too big to fail. And then, you know, on and on and on it goes. But, you know, for those of the listeners who are familiar with, you know, my mindset and all these things, I come from the mentality that the failures are deliberately set up and not accidental. 
Yeah, it could very well be, Ari. I, the jury's still out on that one. Well, I, I, I mean, come on. I, you know, they look, know what they're doing. Look, never, never lose faith in the incompetence of government. Okay? Just so understand that. I mean, you even famously said to me, and I, I picked up on this, uh, this quote, and I've repeated it many times, that um, never confuse, sorry, never uh, ascribe to a conspiracy what you can otherwise ascribe to incompetence. Yeah, right? And I, and I think, I think yeah. there's something to that, but, let, but I don't want to drill down on that. The point is that uh, you're going to have massive foreclosures in the future, and that will lead to bank problems as well, which in turn will call for bailing out banks, um, especially if they do this all at once. If they do it um, only in phased uh, amounts where a bank, for example, can apply to, uh, to start foreclosing on, on uh, distressed properties, okay, that might be better. But even so, it's, still, it's going to be a very painful exit out of this, uh, this, uh, uh, this disaster of a shutdown. It's, it, the, the shutdown with the, um, the moratorium on not just uh, evictions of tenants, but also foreclosures. I, I, don't, I mean, the, the coming wave, the tidal wave of disaster is right around the corner. And, it's, and here's other ripple effects. If there are massive foreclosures, guess, that, guess what that does to your home, who, who are not in foreclosure? Yeah, it drops the property value. The, the property goes, values will go, go dramatically down all of a sudden, and you'll have to deal with that. And, you know, and then you can't get a loan if you want to refinance your property, for example. Uh, and that has its own ripple effect. So, again, people like to, I call it mother economics, uh, people like to play with mother economics. They think they can. But in the same way that the left says you, you shouldn't fool with, with mother nature, they're totally fine with fooling with mother economics. Yeah. Well, I think, I think one of the things that you're somewhat misunderstanding is I'm not saying this is government plan or government incompetence. This is more a, a cabal of elites who are pushing this that gets translated into government policy because the elites generally control the levers of government for the most part. Uh, Trump being president was a rare respite from that. But it's the elites who stand for benefit from everything losing value and then them being able to snatch things up for a song. I mean, you see that in Los Angeles. We've talked about before. The city leaders will put a camp of homeless people in front of a given building. Then weeks, months later, after all the tenants are gone, after all the businesses have failed, suddenly you'll notice there's a fence around that property and then the building's gone. Then a few weeks later, you'll notice, oh, there's no homeless anymore. And now someone is building a massive construction yeah, site. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's, a, know, it's called... snatched that up for a song. It's called Agenda 21, as, as you said. And yes. I, I think that there's some truth to that, Ari. I, you, you, you've noticed in, um, in Los Angeles, at least, that's where we live, that there is a... Um, there seems to be pockets of homelessness. Um, you would think, okay, well, if, you know, if you're homeless, then why isn't kind of spread out equally everywhere? Right. But it's not. It seems as if like, okay, you guys can sit right here. This is where we want you to sit um, and make life miserable for those particular uh, tenants or commercial businesses. And let's see what happens. Okay. So, but it's exactly like you said, it's that, that scenario seems to play out. Um, and, 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 and on a massive scale with the COVID shutdown economic dislocation. Yeah. Okay. So, so in Venice, for example, here in Los Angeles, that is, uh, Venice is really suffering because they've, they've really adopted that on steroids. It's, they've chosen that particular part of the city 
uh, to really allow massive homelessness in there. Uh, people are fleeing Venice. They're coming out to areas like Brentwood and Bel Air, and you know, people who, who otherwise had very nice homes in Venice are now saying, I, I'm not going to stay here anymore. I can't stand this place. I, I, you know, the needles everywhere, people you know, crapping on my front lawn and, and, and stationing themselves on my front lawn. I don't need this, especially if I have kids. So uh, I'm going to Brentwood. I'm going to you know, nicer parts of Santa Monica. I'm going to Bel Air. Um, and wherever I can feel safe, in Los Angeles at least. So that's great for people in Brentwood uh, and other places like that, but that's a, that's a short-term situation for the people in Brentwood, and it's eventually going to come to a um, neighborhood near you. That w- Venice will happen to you soon enough. Yeah, when um, the elites want your property, yeah. they'll use it. It's, so you, it's now obvious that that's what's going on. Right. Now, you would think that Governor Newsom... And uh, Garcetti and and uh, the governor of San Francisco and so on. I sorry, the mayor of uh, San Francisco would think that hey, look, I'm really having a really awful situation in my city. People are fleeing my city. Uh, this homeless situation is terrible. People are not doing business in Los Angeles. Uh, they're not coming to Los Angeles to live. Uh, that's not a good thing. I want people to move into my city. It's a good, healthy thing. Um, it's not that hard to. Uh, have a an effective city. That's that's the. It doesn't take a magic recipe. We know what the magic recipe is, uh, and that is you enforce the law. You enforce the law against vagrancy. You enforce the law against trespassing. And for you, property rights. For, for property rights, rights. and you you uh, have cash bail, for example, uh, and you you also don't allow people to shoplift in stores, and among the many other things that are now. Uh, out of place. So it's so easy. The answer is so easy. It's, it's a little bit like the guy who hits his head with a hammer and he's complaining about the pain in his head. And you say to him, well, Charlie, just stop hitting your head with a hammer. I think some of your problems will go away if you did that. Well, I don't get it. I, and he keeps on doing it. So you realize, okay, this is Charlie's, a problem of Charlie's own, own making, right? And he's doing it on a purpose for whatever reason. So it is hard to conclude anything other than what Ari just said, which is that there is something um, intentional about what we're seeing around us. Now, what that specific intention is, it's not 100% clear, but there is some intent going on. And you don't let this continue right. on and on, this vagrancy, this, the homelessness, uh, the, defeca- the defecation and the uh, urination and uh, the shoplifting and everything else and, and the rioting for that matter, and, and then say, okay, well, you know, this is just happenstance. No, we don't know what to do. Yeah. You know? And, and one other thing, and we've discussed this before, which is since so much is about economics and so often people act with a sort of greed for their own personal interests, wouldn't it be somewhat foolish to conclude that the almighty bottom dollar isn't at play in some way here? In fact, a really good point. Um, look, they, they know that people are fleeing California, to other states like uh, uh, Tennessee, Florida, Texas, Idaho. Like all of them. <laughs> yeah, just about any other state other than maybe uh, York, Michigan, New, <laughs> and New York, New Jersey, is, is you're going to be better off one way or the other. It's certainly the, just the standard of living. Things are cheaper, uh, the roads are paved and such. The only thing that California seems to have going for it, in my mind, um, uh, you know, for, for me personally, I've developed friends, but you can develop friends anywhere, right? 
Um, the only thing that, that California seems to hold in the bag is the weather. It's fantastic weather along the coasts, by the way, <laughs> all right? Uh, Riverside, Palm Desert, uh, the, you know, it's, it's blazing hot, okay? It's, it's almost like California. I sorry, like uh, Arizona and Nevada. It's still blazing hot, okay? There, there's a reason why they call it California, which means hot oven, right? So uh, very, very intense stuff here. But they think that because we have great weather here, therefore, we'll be more than happy to pay massive taxes up the wazoo. 15% taxes is what we're looking at now in California alone, on top of your federal taxes. And then you have your Los Angeles taxes, your business taxes, your payroll taxes, so your equipment taxes. Say 70. 70%. You might as well. Yeah, exactly right. So it's, uh, it's hard. People eventually are leaving. The good news is that people can leave. But California, knowing that people are leaving, has decided that it's going to impose uh, a tax upon you for 10 years if you leave. A wealth tax. I, I guess so. Yeah, it's, but, but whatever it's, it's of your, net, your, your total net worth. It's a percentage of your total net worth that follows you outside of California for 10 years if you leave. And if you set foot in California, set foot, then it's re-upped for another 10 years. Okay, I, I don't know how they could possibly have jurisdiction uh, over that. If you leave and you create a residence, let's say in Tennessee, okay, uh, how do they, <laughs> are they going to collect? How, they, how can they do that? I mean, the unless Democrats, you Democrats, they're magical. They can do anything. I guess so. I guess they they get a judgment against you somehow, and then because of what we call sister state uh, judgments. Uh, reciprocity and uh, recognition of, of other states' judgments. Therefore, it could be domesticated in Tennessee, in my example, and they can go after you for assets there. I, I, I don't think it's constitutional. Well, the, I don't think it'll work. Using the bureaucracy, putting you on like FBI lists where you can't buy guns, no-fly lists, uh, terrorist watch lists, you know, you know the... Yeah, they, they can do a lot. You know, they can do a lot. Nightmare. Well, this this goes. Let, let's get back to the issue of fear because fear is is uh, as you may have noticed in the just in the titles of our podcast alone for for quite some time, fear has been an element of our discussion, and it's it's a disease that is the greatest um, affliction of America in the past uh, ten years, certainly since the uh, election of Obama. In 2008, fear has really crept in and taken a, a real stranglehold. Look, Dennis Prager talks about this quite a bit. I think he's, he's got it really right on the money where, when he says that the left simply cannot tolerate dissent. Dissent, as he describes it, is like kryptonite is to Superman. So uh, they have to get rid of any conservative voices that challenge them, whether that's Fox News, uh, Newsmax, and I know Fox News is not as conservative as it used to be, but let's not go there. The point is that it's a hell of a lot more conservative than MSNBC and so on. So they, you know, the, the, however moderate Fox has gotten, it's still nowhere close enough to leftist enough for MSNBC, so they need to cancel Fox, certainly MS, uh, uh, Newsmax, certainly uh, OAN and uh, any other news outlet and talk radio, forget about it. And then they even talk about podcasts like this, like there's an exception to podcasts somehow and they don't like it. You know, they, they want to stop, you know, us from spreading misinformation and disinformation and lack of information or whatever, because they, they are the true arbiters, um, Ari, of what is right and what is wrong. They've got this reality czar that they're invoking in the White House now. 
right? So, <laughs> I mean, if that doesn't come out of 1984, I don't know what does. The realities are. It begs the question, whose reality are yeah, you talking it is about? literally the Ministry of Truth. Right. In other words, Orwell's regime in 1984 at least had the good sense to be more honest with the citizens of Oceania or whatever that place was than the Biden administration has to be honest with the citizens of the United States. Right. I, I would go even further and say that they, they would have named it the Ministry of Truth, but for the fact it was in the book 1984. They didn't want to make it that obvious. So we'll ch- well, let's not call it the Ministry of Truth, guys. Let's, let's yes. talk, let's, let's call it, uh, let's, I don't know, the, the Department of Reality. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's exactly the same thing, but they, you know, people may not make the connection as fast as Ari and I did. So uh, anyway, it's very funny. I, I think that they really do this. And, and then, but look, they can't get away with it unless we allow them to get away with it. That's the bottom line of what this podcast is all about. They can't get away with it unless we allow them to get away with it. Remember that. Look what happened with the COVID madness. You would think that we would all somehow, that enough people would say, F this with your closing down of my restaurant. I'm not going to just destroy this. We should be like that uh, wonderful woman from Texas. I forget her name. Uh, a salon owner who refused to close her, her uh, store. And she, uh, she, she did the uh, face masks and everything else, but she refused to close her store and she went to jail for it. And the Texas governor, God bless him, said, nope, that was wrong and um, I'm releasing her, period. And never shall you imprison anybody for violating the COVID thing. You can find them, I guess. You can, you can tut-tut them all you want, but not this. No, that's not, what, that's not the country we, we live in. And it was a very bold move, and I thought that that would allow others to join her lead and say, uh, we're not going to take it anymore. But it turns out, not so much. You know, to use your word that you use a lot, Ari, and I like it, uh, is that we've discovered how, how supine the American population has become. Well, yes and no. I mean, it actually isn't supine, because when you see the Black Lives Matter protest or Antifa, the issue isn't the will. The issue is command and control communication systems, i.e. social media companies. So the lack of turnout for anti-lockdown protests is a direct reflection of the stifling on social media of people who think like us from being able to communicate with other people who think like us. Right. Because Black Lives Matter and Antifa doesn't suffer the same companion control problem. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I disagree with you only because I think that the Antifa and, and BLM movements, uh, both of which are, in my mind, terrorist organizations, are, uh, go hand in hand with the government. I think the government is afraid of them, but the government also wants them uh, and sees them as a tool for the change that the government itself wants. Uh, so it's very, it's, you know, that they are not strange bedfellows, but they are bedfellows and they, they like each other. And they have been told that what they are doing is acceptable and we will not arrest you. And we want you to, you know, channel your youthful rage against the machine. Yeah, and your inner arsonist. Yeah, your inner arsonist and your inner. You will let you go. Yeah. We won't charge you. Yeah. So, so, I mean, that's the way it works. Whereas if you're a conservative and you're advancing uh, conservative values and the, the freedom of the individual and, and hard work and all those wonderful things and God, well, then you're going to be canceled. And yeah. that is a terrifying prospect for a lot of people. 
and and we're letting them know that we are terrified about this. And and even you know as we speak, uh, Marjorie Green, the, um, the 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 newly elected um, representative. I forget from which from state. Georgia. Georgia, that's right. Uh, is now on the hot seat because she is um, having to explain comments that she made that were just too conservative for, for the the likes and the taste of the the, the liberal congressman that she serves with. Yeah. And, so and it's and weird. No one, and no one asked Rashida Tlaib or Maxine Waters or Sheila Jackson Lee or Ilan Omar to explain course, their no. past comments. No, the hypocr- I mean, hypocrisy is the is the order of the day. We know that very well. It's almost too easy to bring up their examples. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about how she has to now explain herself. And you're seeing her very powerfully argue, look, uh, I I regret making some of the statements I made uh, in Facebook and otherwise, but this has nothing to do with how I'm going to uh, serve as a congresswoman. I'm going to be very effective. And here are some things that I really believe in. She, She laid out some really strong positions. Uh, about her being anti-abortion, how she loves America, how she loves God. She believes Jesus is her savior. And I love it. I just love it. And we need more Marjorie Greens out there in terms at least of her boldness, okay? And uh, the fact that you may have said something stupid in the past two years ago, uh, so Who what? Has it? Who hasn't? Who hasn't? I, 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 I have. I know I have. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed by some of the things, especially that I've said when I was an atheist back when I was in my early 20s. I'm ashamed of it in some ways. Yeah, uh, the, we've said the stupid things we've said in the past, again, on this podcast, making the demonstration of, see how stupid our brains were at a certain time? Right. Everyone's brain is stupid at a certain time. Right. I, I've said things to, to opposing counsel that I regret, you know, but I'm learning from them as well. So, um, and the things that she said, did she... Did she um, cr- commit a crime of any kind? No, of course no, not. She expressed opinions with the information she felt she had available to her when, of the, at the moment, she expressed them. Right. Okay. You know? So, That's so it. Th- and the point is that she's very proud of it. And, and it's interesting, by the way. And I only want—I only want to say this parenthetically, Ari. Uh, it is interesting to note that so many of the brave people out there are women. Right? I mean, the salon owner that I just talked about. Yeah, the uh, one in San Francisco, the yeah. Pelosi salon who released the, the surveillance footage. And also the Texas salon owner, yeah. right? And now, now, of course, Marjorie Green and so many other really incredible, brave women. There's also another woman from, uh, uh, shoot, she, she's like 32 years old. I'm talking about the Pineapple Saloon owner in, yeah. in uh, yeah. Sherman Oaks, the, the restaurant where she did that video of showing her outdoor dining and then the city outdoor dining and going, what's the difference? Why are they allowed and I'm not? Yeah. So there's a lot of courage uh, on the female side of the equation. I'm, I'm really impressed. And I know personally some, some women that are just, I mean, really, they're dynamos. They're awesome. I mean, look at Dr. Simone Gold, for example. I love her. She's, she's wonderful. And she's speaking truth to power, but, but they arrested her, you know, but she's fighting along the way. So really, I, I have to respect uh, people who uh, push for what they know is right and what is right, and they they take the consequences. They they deal with the system that is broken and they fight. And we need to channel our courage. We need to understand that courage is not just saying a bun- bunch of things and going out in the streets uh, when there are no repercussions. Courage is when you say things and do things when you know that there are there might very well be repercussions from some very bad people. That's it. Look, you and I are making this podcast. Uh, we, we say some pretty bold things. Um, and we understand that life 
uh, you know, somebody listened to this can say, oh, let's try to find a way to cancel uh, the, the two of us, each of us. And that's not the America that I want to live in. I dare say that's not the, the, the America that they would even want to live in. They're trying to make it a different kind of America, but I'm not going to play that game. I'm not going to die wondering, you know, and being ashamed of my lack of courage when it, when it actually mattered. You have to have courage. And yep. that means that you stand, hold on, you have to stand up and say, this dog don't hunt with me. I don't like it. I am going to speak my mind. A very bold woman, again, another woman <laughs> uh, that I, I truly admire. Uh, she's an attorney. Uh, her name is Patty Glazer. She's a very famous attorney here in Los Angeles. She is the lead partner at Glazer Weil. Very tough attorney. Very, very tough. Uh, her life is the law. If, if For recreation, she, she does the law, okay? Uh, but you, know, you ask her what she wants to do for fun, you know, you would think, okay, maybe she likes she to go mountain biking. Or, but for her, it's, you know, representing people in the, in the courts. She's a fighter. But separately, she really loves America. She is a true conservative. And I remember her speaking in front of the Jewish Federation, which is not famous for being liberal, uh, for being conservative, by the way. It, it has, it's not far left by any stretch, but it, it leans left. <clears throat> and she was the featured speaker, much to the credit of the Jewish Federation because of her accomplishments and her contributions and all that. And she said very boldly, you must pick a side. Fight for what you believe in. Don't compromise what you know is right. Now, if you don't know yet what the issues are, then, then learn up on the issues. You may not be passionate about certain issues. Like, I'm not passionate about, I don't know, saving the whales, okay? That's, you know, I, I don't want whales to die and everything else, but that's not my number one cause in my life. I'm not passionate about it. I don't know everything about the whales. But I am passionate about America. I am passionate about Israel. I'm passionate about... Uh, freedom and democracy. I'm, I'm passionate about limited government. You know all the things that I'm passionate about. And you've got to stand up for them. Because if you, if you don't stand up for them, people sense an opening. And they will open that door and they'll drag you out of that and beat the crap out of you. They need to know that you are tough. You need to treat these lefties like uh, rabid dogs on the street. Not, maybe not rabid dogs, but you need to treat them like dogs. Why that, are you that backing down? No, because rabid dogs don't have any sense of control. So let, let, let me get uh, that. And what's wrong with that analogy? Okay, hold on. You don't know where I'm going, Ari, so let me finish up. Uh, a, a dog in the street who barks at you and such, and if you show him fear, that's when they go after you. If you stomp your foot and lean in forward and make a, a growling face right back at them and show that you have no fear of them, they will back away. That's what I mean. Now, a rabbit dog doesn't have that control. That's, that's, that's the whole point. So they will attack you regardless of, of what you do from a fear point of view, okay? That's my exception. So uh, fear is not only destructive to you, but it is, it's destructive to everyone else. You cannot do this. Fear in the face of the enemy cowardice in the, in, the, in the face of the enemy. That's why it's a crime in the army. You, you can be court-martialed for it because it is a disease. It affects everyone else. It is now our turn, our time, given the effort to try to, to quash our freedom of speech, to make us second-guess ourselves, to tell us that we can't even question what happened in the uh, November 2020 election, 
We can't even question it without wondering whether or not we're going to be canceled or even arrested for doing so. Yeah, or at best, saying meme makers now. Right, meme makers, or or that you might be sued for defamation because you might, you know, mention, uh, you know, certain people in the election and how they behaved, and uh, you know, you wonder whether they cheated in the election and such. Okay, well, you know, I, I mean that that is how they try to chill your free speech, and they they claim to be champions of free speech, but they they have no sense of free speech at all. They they want. Only their free speech. That's the kind of speech that they love. And, and they don't even realize how by uh, trying to quash Fox News uh, and calling for complete regulation of podcasts and radio and everything else, uh, that, that they're chilling free speech, the very speech that they claim to love. Uh, it's, 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 um, it's a moment where they, this, they've decided to, take, uh, to press their advantage, right? This is... This is the moment where they've won the election, or so they think. Yeah, and a tiebreaker in the Senate, and by the narrowest majority in the House, in the most dubious uh, win of the presidential election, and they're acting like they're Joseph Stalin. Right. Yeah, they, they've, they've acted like they have the ultimate mandate, and they're just going to ramrod everything they can right now. And, uh, you, and just you wait, it'll, everything will be just great for the Democrats forever. And, uh, and they, they talk as though somehow... We've been under a fascist regime under Trump. It's, and, and now there's a, a brand new day of unity and healing. It's a very bizarre mantra. And Yeah, well, at the I, same time, this morning, ironically, at the prayer breakfast, Joe Biden is telling us how miserable everything is. Wait a minute, I thought you guys just won. <laughs> right? Yeah, and he's exactly. talking about dark winners and malaises. And the part that's scary to me is he said... We need to root out you know, all their you know, buzzwords of hatred, racism, white supremacy, privilege, blah, 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 blah. They say, you need to confront your neighbors when you see it in your neighborhoods, right? Well, I have a Trump sign on my, in my yard. I do. And um, I took uh, some strips of paper and I covered up the pence because, you know, got to make sure the sign is perfect, right? But here's the president encouraging my neighbors to harm me and my children. Yeah, and call the authorities on me and my children simply for having an opinion. Yeah, he's he's gone full Maxine Waters on this, right? Yeah. So it's the same thing that she said to get into people's faces, and when you see them congregating in restaurants, you know, sorry, when you see them in restaurants, you know, get get around them in a circle and and hassle them. That, that's essentially what she said, and I I think she's given voice and and given permission to a lot of lefties out there to express rage and act in a very unlawful way, and then they they know that they won't get in trouble for doing so. Yeah. So they're and sending the signal. Way, okay, exactly hold on, hold on. Ari, 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 hold on, hold on. I'm, I'm trying to move on to a different point here. The point is that they're giving permission for the left to go crazy, and they're trying to intimidate the right as much as possible. This is a first in uh, modern history. It really is. There's never been a time in the, I think they've, they've tried to do in the past five years, especially. That's, that's kind of the main shift that you've seen it. It's not, didn't happen just yesterday, but now they're trying to do it on steroids. Um, and previously it was always understood that, look, Republicans, Democrats, you know, we don't like what the Republicans have to say, but you know, they might win this election. There's always been a sense that like they, they, they might very well win. And now we have to wonder what we need to do better to take back the White House, to take back the, the House, to take back the Senate, and so on. Now, now 
every time there is a win by a Republican, it is because evil has triumphed and somehow. Fraud. And, fra- and fraud. Yeah, evil and fraud. Yeah. And uh, whenever they win, goodness has triumphed and uh, decency has, has triumphed. Yeah. You understand? So it's, it's this pitching of evil and good, uh, them being the good guys uh, and we being the evil guys. It's, it's not a, uh, a business model that can work in the long run. That's, that's the bottom line. Uh, it, it's a really a first in American history, and we need to change that mantra. And the only way to do that, my friends, the only way is by standing up for what you believe, fighting it, getting in their faces yourself, not, not in the, the Maxine Waters way. I mean, like not apologizing for what you believe, not apologizing for your love of God, for your love of Jesus if you're a Christian, for your love of America, for your love of how, America, how great America has been for the rest of the world and for our, the liberty that it has spread, how little racism there is in America. You have to fight and you have to know your shit before you take on everyone. But it's not hard. Learn this and you will change America. You will make the left realize, just like that dog that is barking at you, you will make the left realize that you are not afraid of it, and he, the left, will run away, just like the whimpering dog that we talked about before. All right. I'm Brock Lurie. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk with you next week.